What's going on, folks? Welcome into a brand new episode of Hitting Dingers. I am Trey Wynn, your host, but this week I've got Corey Lester, Andy Sims, and Neil Shalott taking the reins for this week's episode. They're going to discuss everything ranging from today's big anticipated roster move, give a season update, check in around the league, take some of your questions from Twitter, and give the weekly Mad on Twitter award, which should be fun. But we do want to make sure, in case you're new to us, check us out at chat10sports.com. Find everything from social media, our articles, podcast feeds, fan groups, and much more. So make sure and check us out there. Also, make sure and find us on social media, Chat10Sports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We would love to connect with you. But also, check the podcast description. You can find links to Corey Lester, Andy Sims, and Neil Shalat's profiles on Twitter, as well as me, Trey Wynn. And make sure to interact with those guys. A lot of fun on Braves Twitter. Um, But folks, I'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. We hope that you're doing well. But without further ado, we hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, guys. Well, uh, here we are again on episode two of Hitting Dingers with uh, Neil Shalat and Andy Sims. Uh, My name is Corey Lester. Trace Wynn has the night off. Um, But we're uh, we're glad to have you with us again. Uh, Thanks for listening. As always, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Chat10Sports. Um, and keep with all of the happenings, all of the group events and all of that jazz. And of course, uh, the, the latest and greatest in the, in the uh, breaking news about your Atlanta Braves. So uh, we are going to jump right in here. Um, obviously, a lot has happened in the last week. Um, Neil and Andy, um, been an exciting week for Braves fans. Um, probably, uh, what did we call them, the, heart, the uh, uh, cardiac kids? Um, Andy, what's your take on the on the last week of the Braves? Well, I mean, it's it's not sustainable, but it's been really very entertaining. Uh, winning in the last inning, walking walking uh, games off, uh, coming to the brink of winning another game just last night uh, with a controversial block of the plate and Dan B. Swanson almost getting uh, knee driven into the plate, and you know, but it's it always seems to come down to that last inning. It's great to see that. Uh, they haven't lost the magic from last year, uh, even though they've lost about a third of the roster from last year, it seems like. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's something with the East Coast because the West Coast teams seem to put up all of their runs early in the first second. You know, I'm watching Dodgers and Padres games, and they've got, you know, seven, eight runs in the third inning. I'm like, man, that's the life. <laughs> <laughs> What's that must be nice. Yeah. must be nice. You know, they had seven people hit home runs last night or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Neil, how's it going, man? What, what's what, what's your uh, your takes from from the past week of Braves baseball? Well, as someone that has pretty bad anxiety in general, this is <laughs> it's been fun, but at the same time, it's been pretty stressful. Um, late any wins are always great, um, but still, it's just something that I just can't always get used to. Um, it's great that we don't give up the fight. Um, I think that's indicative of, indicative of Snicker and just telling them to never quit. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, pitching's been a little ah, a little off, but um, it's been nice. Um, I think sustaining how we've been doing is important. Um, it's been good so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, and that's a great point. We'll kind of segue into the pitching rotation. Um, I don't know many teams that could afford to lose four starters in a season and, and be able to make it, but we've, like you said, we've sustained it. Uh, You know, Andy, what do you make of this kind of put together piece together rotation with, you know, Josh Tomlin and, uh, and uh, others? I mean, it's, I mean, it's insane. I mean, you said we lost four starting pitchers, but in reality, we've lost six. You know, we, we sent two to the minor leagues with, you know, one was DFA'd and, and Fulte and the and Newcomb we sent back and said, hey, dude, get your shit together. Come back when you're ready. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, well, we'll be okay because we've got Wright and we've got Tuki Toussaint. And, and, and now you've got Wright sent back to the minor leagues because he was not effective. And you've got Tuki pulled mid at bat, mid at bat. I mean, who does that? Well, yeah, Snicker does it when his starter, Josh Tomlin, gives up like, half a dozen home runs it seems like in the first three innings he pitches and then he takes it out on the rookie it's great so uh yeah i mean it's 
it has not been pleasant. Uh, and I got to tell you, I was sitting there watching Max Fried pitch, and you saw him get deep into. I think he had 28 pitches in the first inning, and you're like, "This is this is not good. We're counting on this guy to go seven or eight, right?" And it, right. for the longest time, it looked like he wasn't going to get out of the fourth. So, uh, you know, we won three games last week out of five, which is pretty good. But I don't know how. Yeah. Well, man, look at going back to that last Max Fried start. Like, you really can't say enough about how this kid has grown. Um, I mean, we knew his breaking ball was devastating, but I mean, he's just been absolutely lights out. Obviously, an early Cy Young contender. Uh, you know what? What can we say? Um, you know about Max Fried's growth in the Braves organization in the what is it? Four years he's been here. Three years he's been here. Uh, I mean, what a what an incredible acquisition for the Braves moving forward. It's definitely been the bright spot of the year so far in terms of pitching, um, which there haven't been many. But um, I think the job that Oscar Yona, I'm butchering the name, uh, and I'm usually pretty good at pronouncing names, but uh, him coming in l- uh, late, I think later in the week, um, last week, really just picking up the slack has been huge. Um, I just, Tukey and Tomlin got to figure it out. Tukey has been so disappointing in my opinion. It sucks because he shows those flashes of brilliance. He shows those moments where you're like, okay, this is turning out, this is turning a corner. And then something with the the command just goes wrong. He can't throw strikes. Um, But again, them doing so poorly, how great Max Fried has been, it just further validates how great that trade was for us. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I was kind of, you know, I, n- I never really expected a ton from Tukey. He'd showed inconsistency over, you know, the last season, but he did have, you know, one or two good starts there. And he was kind of a bright start making me think that maybe he could roll as, I don't know, an opener or, or what have you. He was, you know, showing that he could get through three or four innings, but that last uh, start was just brutal. He's one of those kids you just you want to root for. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Tyrell, uh, was it Tyrell Jenkins, but with better stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody wanted Tyrell to do so well because he was just such a likable kid, and, and he had a great attitude and everything. He just wasn't good, <laughs> but but uh, Tukey's better than him. But he has the same issues. It seems like he just loses completely everything coming yeah. through the second time through the order. Yeah, I mean, and and look, I mean, his last start was, what, the Yankees? Um, so, I mean, there can be something said there. I mean, that's a highly productive offense. But but still, it wasn't even that. It's, you know, his his command just wasn't there. Um, so, you know, I I hate to see, see a guy with, with potential like that just, you know, uh, seemingly have it all together and then completely fall apart. But, uh, you know, in your opinion, you know, kind of, uh, switching over to to trades. Um, obviously, we're a week away from the uh, trade deadline uh, this year. Um, do you see? Uh, do either of you see Tukey in a package for uh, a starting pitcher or um, or otherwise? Maybe a third baseman. Um, I think if we're gonna package anyone, it'll be a high name prospect, not a prospect that is not yet proven. Um, in the big leagues, uh, I definitely think a third baseman is on the brink. If we could package a deal somehow for Clevenger, Taiwan Walker, um, someone like that, that would be fantastic. I saw something earlier today that said that uh, Kyle Seeger um, could be moving. I think that would be a fantastic acquisition for the Braves. Not only does he play a great offense but his defense is solid um and then packaging him with Taiwan Walker would be great we would have to pay a bigger price but my end goal would try to be for at least Atlanta to get Mike Clevenger or Zach Plesak controllable young um they're gonna cost a little bit more but I think you gotta break a few eggs to make an omelet yeah, and I think and, and it's a good point there for, for Seeger out of Seattle. And I think you're referencing the Jeff Passan article we, we saw earlier. Um and uh I, I think, you know, 
the, like we talked about last week, the, the biggest challenge there is identifying who the sellers are going to be, right? Trying to figure out who exactly is going to be a seller. And, and for Seattle, you know, the writing's kind of on the wall there, so to say. I think as it stands, they're probably nine, nine or nine and a half games back. I mean, at this point, that's pretty much ball game. Um, you know, in the AL West, too, I mean, they're in, they're, they've got o- Oakland, who is, you know, 20 and nine. Um, and then Astros in Texas. Uh, so it's pretty much uh, for, for Seattle, it's more of a salary dump, um, so to speak, for for them. So I could definitely see Seager. I, I hate to, as a Braves fan, and, and knowing that, you know, Raleigh is hot right now, it's hard to fathom that we don't have, I guess, when I look at our roster, I'm like, you know, somebody's got to be our everyday third baseman, but we still you know, with Camargo and Raleigh, there's still a question mark as to who can be an everyday guy. Um, right now, I agree that Raleigh should be getting, you know, most of the workload. Um, but is it, uh, is it, you know, completely impossible to think that we could trade for an everyday third baseman? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that we could definitely use one. I mean, I know that everybody is pleased with the way Riley is starting to swing the bat. He's starting to come out of his funk a little bit, recognizing the the breaking pitches and reacting to them a little bit better. But, I mean, if you have a chance to upgrade, um, you know, a, a 225 hitter with half a season remaining and, and a chance to go to the playoffs, you know, you, you really do have to consider that. Uh, so, I mean – Let's, you know, let's not put anything off the table. We literally have four positions in our lineup right now hitting around the Mendoza line, and we're leading the division somehow with, with that and one starting pitcher. It's, it's crazy how bad the NL East has become in a matter of one year. It's just insane. Right. Yeah, it is. I mean, going into the uh, preseason, I mean, you know, I, I mean, all – all signs pointed to a really, really strong Phillies team, except for the, uh, you know, their bullpen woes. But still, you know, I definitely didn't see Miami sitting at 500, you know, two games back in uh, in August. So, um, you know, obviously it's a it's a and we knew going in it was going to be a crazy schedule. Um, but I think jokingly we were like, you know, watch the Marlins win the World Series or watch watch Baltimore. Um, so it's funny to to see like Baltimore had a win streak going there for a little while, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I I would I don't know I, I'm for a team that didn't re-sign Josh Donaldson going after a third baseman seems like eh, kind of half-hearted, but um, you know maybe maybe it'll happen. Um, maybe we will see. Uh, is it Kyle Kyle Seager Corey Seager's Dodgers? It's Kyle Seager out of uh, out of Mariners. I almost said Corey. Um, I'd yeah. love to see Corey Seager too. Oh, absolutely. Um, would. I, I wouldn't <laughs> complain at all. Um, well, so, yeah, Corey, you are, know, uh, one of your followers, uh, Braves Wendy, had a great question about on this topic. She said, uh, would you rather see in a Braves uniform Bauer or Clevenger? Hmm. So what do you think on that? Well, I mean, for me right now, Bauer is as hot as it gets right now. Doesn't he have the uh, – lowest ERA in the, in the majors right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as a matter of fact, on yep. MLB network, they did a, uh, they did a thing about the, the Cy Young for the national league and the three names they threw out there was our, our very own Max Fried, Trevor right. Bauer, and um, that guy from the Mets that we don't want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That's another guy I would love to have. Um, I mean, he's, he's just in a 0.68, just missed a nice ERA. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's incredible. Uh, three wins out of four games, 0.68s. Yeah. Go ahead and give it to him in my opinion. Um, which is great for Trevor Bauer, uh, someone who's been very controversial and very vocal. Um, I said in the off season, you know, if this guy's going to run his mouth and he better get up there and start pitching, you know, <laughs> pitching like Cy Young himself. So it's good for, good for him. Um, you know, being out there and being controversial on Twitter and outspoken and stuff. It's good that he can back it up with, uh, with stats. Um, you know, Trevor's always been a workhorse too. I mean, he's definitely, uh, I, and I don't know a ton about Mike Clevenger. I love his delivery, his little leg kick. Uh, I love watching him pitch. Um, you know, I, I like the, you know, kind of the style he has as a, as a, as a pitcher, but uh, I'm probably leaning more towards Bauer 
What do you guys think? I would go with Clevenger because he's got the two years of uh, control left. He's younger. Yeah. I think. I want to say he's younger than Bauer. Um, it's just I'm all about years right. of control. Um, he'll cost you more than Bauer will because Bauer's on that one-year deal, or he's he's a free agent, rather. He's going to be a rental, yeah. basically. Um, so I'd, I'd lean more toward Clevenger. The the Indians need an outfielder. Uh, if we could package any one of our outfielders, I would be okay with it in terms of not any one of them, obviously, but anyone, Azuna or um, Ender, ideally, in a deal for Clevenger, I would be ecstatic. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, and, and kind of back what you were talking about with Taiwan Walker, um, you know, this thought of maybe a package deal with Taiwan and Seager, um, you know, would really, you know, be a, a big move for the Braves. Um, you know, Taiwan's not necessarily an ace by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think he's he's uh, two and two this year with a 4.0 ERA, um, with, but he has 25 strikeouts out of five games. I mean, that's that's pretty good numbers. Uh, we definitely mm-hmm. would gravitate towards a strikeout pitcher. It's it's something that I feel like we, um, you know, outside of Max Freed, uh, we don't really have a dominant uh, strikeout pitcher. Um, so seeing seeing somebody like that would definitely fill in the gap while we figure out, you know, what we're going to do with, you know, the farm arms and, you know, maybe a, a Cole Hamels reunion down the stretch that could, you know, provide a, big placeholder for us in the meantime. Um, so I, I like the thought, you know, Taiwan Walker would be a good fit. He's, he's been around for a few years, but, uh, you know, I think he could definitely, uh, do, do some good for us. It'd be interesting to see if we did a package deal with Seattle. Um, what do you think Clevenger would cost in your guys's opinion? And what would you be willing to give up for him? I saw a report earlier today that said that Clevenger would cost an infielder, an outfielder, and two young prospects or two young pitching arms. Um, I just throwing some names out there would definitely include Ender. He's a plus outfielder. I would throw in someone like Patrick Michael and then any one of the other pitchers that we have just waiting there. Jeremy Walker comes to mind for me. Um, and then see what that'll get you yeah. it's just so hard with with the way the trading deadline is going to work this year you literally have no idea usually by halfway point of the year you know who's going to be doing what things just can change so fast around here um and clevenger he broke team protocol we don't know how the team views him now he isn't pitching this next series we don't even know if he's ready completely because he's had off for so many weeks. Um, so we'll see. I It'll cost an arm and a leg, I think, though. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, and I was big on the Reds going into the offseason. I think this, this you know, short season has really kind of put them back a little bit and probably, you know, their offense isn't what we thought it would be, even adding Moustakis and um, – I'm wondering if the Reds may be potential sellers or if, you know, I don't know what kind of deal Castillo's on or Descofani or, um, you know, those guys, but they've got some killer arms in their rotation. You know, if they had half of the offense production that we've had, you know, I don't see why they wouldn't be, you know, neck and neck with in the, in the, uh, in El Central, but I would love to see like a Luis Castillo, um, you know, behind, you know, Max Fried or in front of Max Fried for that matter. Um, you know, a guy who posted uh, at, at, out of, uh, what was it? Uh, I'm just looking here, 4.4 ERA so far. He's he's lost three. And again, it's a guy who he's got 36 strikeouts in five games, but he gets zero run support. And, you know, you hate to see an ace like that be stuck in, in you know, Cincinnati, but uh, kind of the same for Clevenger, kind of the same for Bauer. You know, those are, uh, two guys, you know, if not Bauer, I would, I would love to see Castillo, but uh, you know, I don't know the the details on the salaries or what makes more sense for them. But to me, that's a team that's pretty close to kind of being sellers, if not this, definitely next year. 
Well, they sure did a lot of work in the off season over there in Cincinnati to make themselves into a contender. It's going to take a, it's going to take a three or four game losing streak over the next five games for them to throw in the towel on that. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, where they stand now, I think uh, the Cubs are in first place right now, um, which is kind of a surprise to a lot of people. Um, St. Louis is behind them three games back and then Cincinnati as it stands, they're five and a half games back. So, you know, it would definitely take uh, those two teams, uh, you know, having a, a little bit of a loss and I don't know what they're, what their season looks like or their uh, schedule looks like upcoming, but it's, it's uh, probably going to need a miracle there for Cincinnati. But yeah, to your point, and that's, that was kind of my thought is they were moving so hot and heavy in the off season. All right. So we've talked a little bit about trade trading and uh, you know, we talked about uh, rosters and kind of where we're, we're, you know, thinking about what the roster is going to look like moving forward. Uh, we've got some guys on the injured list. We've got some guys that are on COVID uh, list. So what do we uh, what do we expect? It's it's Monday night on twenty fourth, and tomorrow we're supposed to have a pretty exciting roster announcement with perhaps the return of Nick Markakis. Uh, we need to figure out who our start. You know, and Acuna and Ozzy will be right around the corner. So what are you guys thinking about as far as roster goes? Um, you know, coming into this week. I think Nick Markakis is definitely due to come back, which great, big, uplifting thing for the, for the offense. Um, we could finally see Ozuna move back to the DH. Uh, God bless. Um, and then I think Ian Anderson's coming up. I think it's time. Uh, his sim game with Gwinnett, he showed incredible amounts of po- uh, poise. He struck out, what, 13, walk a zero. Uh, I don't think he's had a start or he hasn't really pitched since, which is great. Uh, so he's rested. I think Ian Anderson's time has come. I think that not only the pressure from on social media has coming through, but I think it's apparent that we need something changed in terms of uh, the rotation. Yeah, for sure. Any thoughts around well, that, Andy? Yeah, well, the kicker with Anderson is he's got to be added to the 40-man roster, so you've got to make a move there. And I think it's a foregone conclusion that that's mm-hmm. going to happen. So the the question's going to be, where does that move come from? Now, you know, sitting here, you know, Twitter GM, you know, you're looking at the roster and you're thinking, okay, we could try to pass Sabatka through waivers maybe. Uh, he's up and down, you know, he's really not – not a vital piece to our organization at this point. So maybe he passed through waivers and we can just uh, assign him to the alternate site. Um, It makes a lot of sense to me uh, to go ahead and designate Matt Adams for assignment and let him go find somewhere to be happy and strike out in big key spots. Um, Despite that ringing double that won a game for us or brought, got us back into a game. uh, I mean, Players are never as good as their best days and never as bad as their worst. And so you kind of look at the middle and in the middle, Matt Adams still sucks. So there's, in my opinion, there's really no need for him to be on the roster, but once Markakis comes back. So for me, it would be Markakis comes to the roster, Adams leaves, and then Anderson comes to the roster and then you option um, Tukey or, or uh, whoever you'd like to. What's probably going to happen is we're going to find out that one of our pitchers in the alternate site that's on our roster has some kind of injury that we made up, and they go on the 45-day IL, and we never hear from them again. <laughs> that's all. That's what I always feel like the alternate training site is. It's like a pit of doom, and <laughs> like they, they were never heard from again. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it seems like anytime we have a roster crunch and we don't know where the next move is going to be, yeah. someone comes up with a 45 day injury and they're yeah. gone. <laughs> Hamstring tightness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and it made a lot of sense to me getting Matt Adams, especially with Freddie, you know. Uh, but, you know, his resurgence has been really good. I think he's only going to get hotter as, as it goes. You know, he's he's definitely said multiple occasions, you know, it takes 30 to 40 at bats for him to get the hang of it. Um, I think he was probably, I think he mentioned in a interview with Dauber, one of those beat writers, you know, he was a little surprised at how much, you know, energy he had lost from, from being sick and stuff. And, uh, you know, you just never know, but had, you know, definitely hats off to him for, you know, getting back out there. Um, you know, it's good to have our leader back in the dugout, uh, yeah. you know, and, and obviously on, on, uh, 
sheer display last night with uh, you know a two out double uh, didn't end up like we wanted it, but uh, still you know proves that Freddie can come in clutch there. Um, well, the uh, worst thing about having Adams on the roster is Snit is going to be tempted to play him, and anytime yeah. Matt Adams is on is in the lineup, you know what that means. That means Ozuna is in left field. Yeah. And yep. I mean, if you're going to risk Marcelo Zuna at this point in his career in the outfield, the person you're putting in a DH had better be good. And he's just not, he's just not that, that good to make it worthwhile to put a Zuna out there. Yeah. I don't know how you want to go. Glove. <laughs> well, I really don't. I mean, left field is, is where you hide all of your bad defensive outfielders typically. But so, I mean, you're dealing, he's, he was the best of a really bad set of players. <laughs> Being worse, I mean, yeah. even then, I mean, <laughs> I'd, I'd hate to have seen who else was out there. We must have had Matt Kemp that year, yeah. I mean, I would, I would love <laughs> to really see career stats for Marcel after you know, post Marlins. Um, you know, I know he was a he was a hot shot or whatever, leaving when he was with uh, Miami at the time, or I don't even know, they might have still been in Florida back then, but um, I'm curious to see the stats on how many balls he plays off the hop because it it seems like there's just been so many you know uh, he runs like he's had double knee replacement surgery <laughs> um as someone who's had four knee surgeries i can run faster <laughs> than him. i'm more than certain i i'm i can i we need to run we need to have a race me marcelo zuna and the freeze <laughs> the freeze will be, be there just for entertainment purposes and then me beating Marcel is just pure <laughs> validation. Oh man. Uh, aside from the uh, poor start that Tomlin has kind of back to the rotation a bit, uh, aside from this last, uh, last uh, start from Tomlin, obviously he's more of a middle by my, you know, whatever, it, uh, whatever you want to take it, you know, with a grain of salt or whatever. I feel like Josh Tomlin's that guy that when, you know, your starter comes in, you know, blows it up two innings. Josh is the guy that can eat three or four innings and has done that. I mean, that was basically his role last year, you know, is when, you know, somebody just started giving up bombs and it got got out of hand. He was the guy that came in, you know, with a big, you know, jaw full of backer and, you know, just stood up and, you know, threw, threw three or four innings for us. Uh, do you still see them hanging on to Josh? You know, kind of like, I guess to your point about, you know, with uh, Snicker, you know, as long as Matt Adams is, is there, he's going to use him. You know, Josh Tomlin seems to be, you know, Snit's boy uh, when stuff goes awry. Um, but what are your thoughts after seeing how he played in a starter role, you know, versus how he plays in a reliever role? Do you still see value there? I do. I think he's best in the long reliever type role. Um, it's just, I don't think he's really comfortable starting. And I mean, I don't know his mindset at all. I'm sure he's up to the task. He seems it every game. But if you're not comfortable in that role, then I don't see why you should be putting him out there. I get the need, but I just, I think he'll be. Yeah, I think he gets exposed when a team has a chance to set up a game plan to go against him. But when yeah. you bring him into the middle of a game, mm-hmm. in the middle of a lineup, and you, you haven't had a chance to really game plan for him, you know, he can throw you off. And, uh, you know, the way Snit uses him in games out of the bullpen reminds me a lot of when we had Eric O'Flaherty and Peter Moylan. You know, every time you thought, okay, we're going to go to the pen, who's he going to get? And there's always that one guy that you see coming through the gate, and you're like, oh, man, again? This guy? Seriously? Right. Didn't he just pitch three games in a row last week? <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, that's, that's Tomlin for you. And that's, that's who he is. And he'll probably lead the, uh, lead the bullpen in appearances uh, in this short season, because that's yeah. just how Snit is with his, he finds one guy that he, he just likes to run out there. It's his utility knife. And that and Tomlin right. seems to be that guy. Uh, let's get to some questions here. Um, so you mentioned Wendy's, uh, Wendy's question. We, uh, did we all decide Bauer or Clevenger? I, I lean Bauer. Um, Andy, I don't think we got your take on that. Who do you lean? Well, you know, the ladies of Twitter really love uh, Mike Clevenger. Uh, they're, they're really <laughs> enthralled by his, his flowing locks and the tattoos and everything. Uh, um, right. 
I mean, if you give me a choice between the guy who's got the lowest ERA in the league right now and and the guy who's not welcome on his in his own clubhouse, I'm going to go with Bauer. Um, but there's there's something about Mike Clevenger knowing that he's got extra years of control. But, you know, someone made a, a very good point on, on Twitter that he really is not as good without Trevor Bauer on the on, in the same rotation, that Trevor was a, a real – um, coaching force for yeah. him in in the rotation and helped him through a lot of things that he was struggling with. And he hasn't been the same since uh, Bauer left. So I don't know if yeah. you're getting the Mike Clevenger that was all world a year and a half ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm with you. I would, I would take the dad bod over the long curly hair. Any day Absol- of the absolutely. Week. <laughs> we definitely identify a lot better with, with, uh, Trevor Bauer's physique. Yeah. Right. And Neil, who has the more professional opinion, sided with uh with Mike Clevenger, and he's probably right. <laughs> but I mean, whoever the reality is whoever gets Bauer, it's gonna be a one year deal. So whoever has the money to spend um is gonna is definitely gonna get him. Um, let's see. We got another one from uh Jeff Donahue. So here's a cool question. Obviously Soroka's on the on the IL right now, but with Max Freed being as dominant as he is, and assuming Soroka comes back and picks up where he left off, uh, Jeff Donahue's question is, how long before the Braves lock up Freed and Soroka to long-term deals? Are these two guys we feel should be lifetime Braves? Should we, you know, start to form the Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz trio? You know, is, are the, is this going to be the rotation for the team of the 2020s? What say you, Neil? Just based on an injury perspective, I would go Freed over Soroka in terms of a long deal Long deal first. Um, you don't know. The, okay, so backing up a little bit, the, the Achilles that Mike did tear was his non-dominant foot, right? It was his back leg, right? So that's good news, right? So you don't know how it's going to affect him in the future. As per how Max Free's been doing this year, you gotta I think you gotta lock him up this year or if not next year. See how Soroka's doing next year, see how he's progressing through his um, rehab and all that, and then lock him up. I think you go Freed, then Soroka. But before all that, I'm gonna throw a curveball. I think we extend Dansby before anyone else. Gotcha. Yep. Yes, yeah, so I'm just pulling up our uh, Braves payroll here. I was trying to see. I was thinking that uh, Freed was making like half a mil or something like that. He's on a super low contract. I might have read that wrong, but I was thinking he was on his uh, on a last year of uh, of his contract or something. I'll find it as we go along. But uh, what do you think uh, about uh, Soroka and Freed, Andy? You feel like we should well, wait and see how I, Soroka does? Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely have to let the injury play out and see how he recovers and whether he loses – uh, command or velocity or both or neither. Um, so, I mean, I think we are probably, you know, 18 months away from discussing any kind of contract with, with Soroka, but I think we would be there anyway, because I think, and without looking right. So without cheating, um, I think that Freed probably has a little bit more service time in the league and is probably coming up on his arbitration years a little bit quicker than, than a Mike Soroka. So you would want to, buy out those arbitration years before they get expensive and the way he's pitching, they're going to be expensive. So you look at Freed as somebody who's you're kind of up against the clock with. And if you're going to extend him now, you know, now's probably a good time to be talking to him and his agent. Yeah, for sure. And do we get the, the feeling? I mean, the feeling is Max is pretty happy, you know, in his role, obviously you know, it was a tall order to ask him to be the ACE, but he's handled it, handled it. And, you know, you see him up on the up on the mound. I mean, he's he looks like he's a you know thirty year old veteran up there. Um, I mean, he's twenty six. He's not a young kid anymore. And I think um, at least my you know uh, issue was when I looked at him. I would think you know, well, he's one of the baby Braves. But I mean, he's he's already twenty six. He's already got you know some years with. I think he came from the Padres. Um, you know pitching organization i forget if i'm wrong i'm sorry but i I was thinking he came up in uh uh, in the padres organization um so he is let's see he's under team control through 2021 so yeah 
2022 is his arbitration, first arbitration. So yeah, I agree. And he's on, so he's making 583,000. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a guy that you want to start talking about uh, locking up time. But uh, like I was saying, I think the inclination there is he, he's pretty happy with his role, I would think. Uh, there's definitely an opportunity for him to be the guy moving forward. Um, I mean, that slider and curveball, I mean, he's just dominant with his with his breaking stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a guy I want to see moving forward. Um, and, and, you know, on Soroka, I mean, yeah, you definitely have to, uh, have to wait and see, you know, what the, what the timeline looks, looks like, um, Neil and remind me, did we, did we decide if he's probably going to be, you know, a guy that we're going to be able to look at again at, at this in the spring, or is that, you know, put him back past opening day next year? Uh, if you want to be conservative with it, I would put it back, uh, past opening day next year. Um, it's just one of those injuries you can't really accelerate. Right. And you don't want to um, for a guy that young. The, no. Uh, but that's what's going to play into his favor. He is young. So his body's going to re- react uh, quicker in terms of rehab. He's going to get his strength faster um, than he would if he was held 27, 28 years old. Um, so that'll help if. I'm AA or whoever's calling the shots here. I am like taking my time with this. I would. Uh, he's your future. He's proven to be the ace of the team. I don't see why you don't hold off a little bit and not go balls to the wall with his rehab and his acceleration back. Right. Yeah. The scary thing with, with the Soroka injuries is not, whether he's going to have issues with his Achilles going forward. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the tendons heal at the rate they heal, right, Neil? I mean, they, they just, it's not like a, yeah. not like a muscle strain where it can be variable. I mean, they just, they heal at the rate that your body heals it. And there's really not much you can do to affect that. But what in the ramping back up into, into baseball activities how it affects his motion, how it affects the the repeated motion of his mechanics. And if that gets out of whack, what kind of effect it can have on his shoulder, on his elbow, uh, you know, um, those are the things you worry about is, is how well does he come back from a, a mechanic standpoint uh, if you can't trust that foot? Yeah. Biomechanically, he'll, he'll probably be compensating on things for a while. He'll be over torquing his hips. He'll be relying a lot more on torque, uh, trunk rotation um so we'll see how it goes uh i think getting the mechanics down is going to be the most important thing rehab you it's pretty well laid out it's going to be the same for him as it is for anyone that tears achilles is just going to be a little bit faster because he is a pro athlete his body knows how to recover through injury um i think a lot of it's going to be mental too i know for when i was 22 when i had a surgery on my knee i was like all sorts of out of whack. I I was looking down all the time, looking at, oh man, if I trip over this, am I going to tear my knee up again? Stuff like that. So it's the mental side of it's going to be a big factor as well. So obviously we look for, you know, a healthy return for Soroka. A um, little bit of a question mark there, but, uh, you know, we, we feel confident that he'll, you know, recuperate and hopefully the Braves will, you know, take it easy on him and not try to rush his, his start back. Um, so kind of switching over to another question, um, announcer for tomorrow, do, or announced a starter for tomorrow. So I've seen, you know, kind of speculation around the app today. You know, do we feel like it's going to be Ian Anderson and, or is it going to be somebody that's going to cause Braves Twitter to have an utter meltdown? I think it'll be Ian Anderson. I really do. Um, I think it's high time. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Newcomb just made the way down 85 to um to make this spot start well yeah. i mean i wouldn't honestly i wouldn't hate it just to see how he's improved or what he's changed um see if he's actually got the command i know it's the yankees so it's a little nerve-wracking but even for ian anderson well if you have yeah. any interest in trading sean newcomb to uh, a team like boston and a eovaldi trade or something like that uh, you have to get him back on a mound 
before the the trade deadline ends, right? So, right. I mean, you mentioned Newcomb. I honestly hadn't been thinking about him, um, but it would make a lot of sense to give a guy like him, or or well, you don't want to do faulty because you're just you have to add him to the forty man roster just to most likely drop him again. So, um, Newcomb does make a little bit of sense. Uh, and the way this season has gone and the decisions that, that they've been making with regards to the, the roster and the lineups, I mean, are we really expecting them to do what we think they should do at this point? It's always yeah. up in the air with them. Yeah, really they, don't, they don't listen to me or read my tweets. So, no. you know, I just – I quit I quit trying. <laughs> I mean, Pache would have, would have started three out of four games for us, you know, and, and it's just <laughs> – I don't that's – that's a situation right there I just don't, I don't get. That is to say, he would have been on the opening day roster if it were up to Braves Twitter. That's, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh yeah, <laughs> it would have been that, Acuna, Waters, and Pache in the outfield. Please. And what? Oh and what's God. wrong with that? Talk about a, right. a, a lot of swag out in the outfield. Oh, well, the problem is, is when Drew Waters bats, you know, point eight nine for the first two weeks. We, you know, Twitter's ready to grill him and DFA him. So we uh, we don't have much patience for for poor plate appearances in this organization. That's the thing though. Pache has, he's only had like what four. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. I, it's, it's so frustrating. Hell that throw that, that he made against the Phillies. Uh, what was it? Friday or Saturday, Saturday. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was incredible. It really was. Yeah. I was like th- that alone was like, okay, put him in the lineup every day, please. Cause we know Ozuna <laughs> can really do that. Um, so, I'm I'm all for Pache starting. Yeah, yeah. Ozuna can't make that strong a throw to the third baseman. <laughs> so I I took a little heat from this, and I, I I said it as a joke, you know, talking about how much we spent on Marcelo Ozuna for you know one year. I mean, is it really worth the money at this point? I mean, he's obviously been valuable at the plate for us in in a handful of games, and we'll probably continue to be you know valuable. But is it really? you know, worth, what is it, 18 million? Is a guy like that really worth 18 million to you guys, in your opinion? I can't yeah. believe that there are people wanting to have him back next year. Since, that, since that, it's that just, just us talking. Oh, that, that, that makes, that makes me crazy when I hear, oh, well, let's, we'll just re-sign Ozuna. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Hard pass. Not, not much Please of a no. fan. Me neither. I mean, I like him. Don't get me wrong. He's a good guy. Like, I'm sure he's a great guy. He's a he seems like a fun guy to be around in the clubhouse, and he definitely hits home runs. He gets on base for us. But I mean, that defense is such a liability. He's it's just bad. Yeah. I would never. I would not accept him on the roster next year. I'll write a strongly worded letter if I have to. I mean, there's yeah. no guarantee that there's going to be a designated hitter in the National League next year. I don't know if they. I feel like somebody said something about them doing it next year maybe that was just hearsay it was um, part of the so. negotiations leading up to the the start of the season but then they backed off of it when the league when the league year. just said you know what we're done negotiating this is just what we're doing and because you didn't want to play ball with us and negotiate we're taking the dh for next year and maybe we'll add it back but nah, probably not yeah Another question here from Joe Seppi from Dodgers Twitter. Um, he says, which big league stadium has the worst dimensions of all time? And do you think it is a stupid gimmick to have foliage grow, foliage grow on your outfield wall? <laughs> so I think he's talking about Wrigley there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Joe Seppi's a great guy. He, he is. is. He is a good guy. The worst, in my opinion, is Yankee Stadium. That plays so small, and it's just ugh, it gets on my nerves how every majestic, every fly ball looks like a majestic rainbow shot. When it you get the stat cast, it's like three twenty. It's it's annoying. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think Yankees. I went and it was just small when I went to visit. I was like, this is lame. Um, other than that. I think the worst would be probably Philly. That's another band box. Again, any pop fly is a home run threat. Yeah, I'll tell well, you, well, I, I mean, I'm with you on the, the Yankee Stadium. And, uh, yeah, I didn't want to wait for this podcast to answer Joe's question. So I jumped on <laughs> in there with it. And, uh, 
yeah, I said Yankee Stadium, and it's just, <laughs> that is just it's ridiculous that any kind of pop fly to the right to right field is out, and uh, I mean it's so bad that Aaron Judge, who's a right-handed hitter, has gotten has tailored his swing to go that direction. It's it's insane. I, but, I think uh, the worst part about it. Sorry, just chime. No, go ahead. Just jump in here. The worst thing about it is that it plays into their fans' minds that oh man, we're the Bronx Bombers, even though they're hitting fly balls that just that could go out in any high school stadium. It's just so annoying to me. It really I th- is. I think Aaron Judge should get the same treatment that Nolan Arenado got when trade talks started heating up. You know, everybody was bashing <laughs> him like, well, he can't hit a ball. You know, outside of Denver. You know, look at his uh, look at his home road splits. I think somebody should, you know, look and see how good Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton really is outside of Yankee Stadium. Like Yankee Stadium is a freaking joke, dude. <laughs> That's awful. It really is. <laughs> yeah, and as far as the foliage on the on the fence, uh, you know, it's like I said to Joe. I was like, you know, the one good thing about it is you have a bad, say, left fielder that plays terrible defense, and your manager keeps putting him out there. At least you can hide him in the bushes. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> For sure. Uh, let's see. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Edit this out. All right, just real quickly, talking about um, last night's game and the rule of, you know, we want to go back to this this conversation around blocking the plate and protecting your catcher. You know, what, what rule is there to protect the runner? Should Dansby have, you know, should the call have been reversed? So what say you last night? It's bottom of the ninth, two outs. You got your game-winning run coming in on a Freddie Freeman double. Um, You know, Dansby's running hard around third. Uh, It's a bang-bang play from in the throw from left field. Um, You know, what's your thoughts around that? Should this uh, Aaron – was it Aaron Knapp? What's his name? Andrew Knapp. Um, Reportedly to Fox News that – he said, regardless whether he had the baseball or not, he was not going to allow Mr. Swanson to score. Um, that tells me, you know, in his mindset, he's blocking the play. He's preventing the play from happening. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts about what happened last night versus the Phillies? Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, it was a replay. So we knew we probably weren't going to come out on the, good, on the good side of it to begin with. And <laughs> right. It's a replay of a rule that is very rarely enforced, even in our favor. So, uh, I mean, you kind of had to feel like we weren't going to come away with it. My biggest thing is, and I, you know, I hate to say this, but Snit has it right. First game um, meeting where he said, listen, this rule, they haven't been calling it right since the day they, they put it out there. And they really haven't been calling it the last year, year and a half. We need to just go back to base runners blowing up catchers because right. they aren't they aren't giving them the lane and they're wearing all the gear and our right. our you know our players are are putting themselves at risk trying to dive for a corner that may not be there when they leave the ground. Right. I completely agree. It's I get the safety side of both on both sides, um, especially with the Buster Posey incident a few years ago, but. Um, I think it's time we start blowing catchers up if they're going to be blocking the plate like that, and then nothing's going to be called for it. Um, so I, it's tough to say that if Dancy would have actually touched the plate or not, but I do think he was blocking the plate. Um, and replay evidence, I think. Well, three years ago, the catchers were so, about getting blown up, so he's not trying to field that ball in, in the in the baseline. You know, he's trying to field it up ahead and dive back for a tag because he's scared of getting, getting laid out. And so the rule is actually made it easier for the catcher because, you know, again, they're wearing the the leg plates, they're wearing the chest gear and they've got all the protection from not only the gear, but also the rule. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely with you guys. And somebody mentioned too, that uh, if Dansby would have taken a more generous lead, you know, he might have had, you know, might have had three or four steps ahead. But I mean, in a in a tight ball game like that, you really don't want to risk much. I mean, imagine, you know, getting thrown out at second base, you know, with the game on the line because you took, you know, a huge lead. But uh, 
I think Dansby did everything he was supposed to do. I mean, um, just one of those plays, but uh, love to have that back. I would love to have seen the walk off, but uh, you know, we've seen, we've seen plenty of last, uh, last at bat wins to where eventually, you know, one of them's going to go the other way, but, uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm with you guys and Snit took, you know, obviously he he'll tell you what he's thinking. Um, and he's old school in that regard of, you know, uh, just old school baseball guy. So, uh, but it is nice to hear some, you know, some straight talk around that of, you know, we might as well just do, you know, get rid of the rule and just start blowing them up again. Um, but again, my point there is that there's plenty of protection for catchers, but none for base runners. Um, so, but we digress. Um, so uh, uh, an interesting uh, event took place on the West Coast last week um with the texas rangers and the san diego padres um so it was a 3-0 count and fernando tatis hit a grand slam against the texas rangers and uh uh, in doing so seemingly pissed off the entire league of boomers in major league baseball um so uh, when the was it the third that he they did it four games in a row right so he they had a grand slam in four games in a row um so this week's matt on twitter award goes to literally the texas rangers account for <laughs> at, at, at the uh, conclusion of the fourth game decided to uh, uh tweet and block all the comments from anyone you know trolling the final score at the end of the game so uh we would love to post that to that tweet however we cannot (laughs) 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 to uh to troll the texas rangers on that on that tweet maybe we'll we'll find another tweet to do it on but uh but yeah definitely uh one of the the i mean the rangers were absolutely irate in the comments on on other posts but uh uh, that is the softest take you're ever going to find from someone calling themselves from Texas. I mean, <laughs> that that is insulting to the entire state of Texas. <laughs> you you got to remember, like yesterday was the whatever year anniversary of Texas winning against, I think the Orioles, thirty to three. <laughs> like they're running up the score, right. you know. Like, hey, look. The, the Orioles yeah, scored that third run, and it was like, you know what? They're trying to win, so we're going to bury them. You know, that's that's how the written the unwritten rules work, guys. We're gonna we're gonna back off, but the minute you show life, we're gonna put the pedal down. So, and I hope I'm that so Chris Woodward is happy for for what he's done. He has single handedly made the Padres into everybody's World Series pick, and Tatis is now an MVP uh, candidate for the National League, and it's all his fault. I mean. It, the rules are what the rules are, and I know you guys are young kids, so you, you don't you don't really follow the unwritten rules of baseball. But as an older guy myself, um, I see some value in it. But the one thing you don't do is kind of like Fight Club. You, you don't talk about the unwritten rules, okay? You don't go out there and, and answer a question about the unwritten rules. You just say, look, the ball got away from it. You know, we weren't throwing it, Manny. We, the ball just got away from it. We all know what happened, but you don't say it. And because right. he said it, now we're now we're left dealing with the Padres uh, hitting a grand slam every night. <laughs> I think the uh, the San Diego Padres changed it to the Slam Diego Padres on Twitter. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I really do. Oh, they are living it up out there in San Diego, as if they had anything else. If they needed anything else to be happy about in San Diego, right? Well, they're they're right. definitely in the playoff picture. They're four games back on the Dodgers. Um, so they've got a shot definitely with expanded playoffs. They've got, uh, we'll be seeing them or somebody's going to see them in, in the playoffs this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of wanted to, uh, you know, bring the plane in for landing here as we look, you know, towards, I guess tomorrow or, uh, Wednesday will be our last, uh, or not our last, our uh, halfway point, um, towards the last half of the season. Um, so as we look at the schedule, um, I think it favors the Braves, uh, in my opinion. So we play two this week at, uh, uh, New York, uh, the Yankees. So, or I'm sorry, not at it. We're actually home this time. So we play two, um, Yankees and then we go on the road for, uh, three games with Philly, three games with Boston. And then we've got Washington, 
three games at home. Then we've got Miami three games at home. Then we have a four game stand at Washington. So here's where it gets, I think, a little more favorable. So we go from Washington to three games at Baltimore, three games at Mets. And then we've got a four game stand with Miami and then three more with Boston to wrap up the season. To me, I, th- I think there's a lot of W's in, in those last few weeks in September, um, you know, with those two big series with Miami, handful with Baltimore, and obviously two series with, with uh, the Red Sox over the next few weeks is, should uh, put us in a good position to clinch, in my opinion. But uh, looking forward to the schedule ahead. Um, do you guys feel like we're in pretty good shape as it stands now? I mean, Obviously, I, I, def, I definitely didn't expect the Nationals to be in last place going into the second half of the season. But, you know, maybe it'll be another May 25th, you know, best team in baseball since May 25th thing. <laughs> but uh, what do you guys think? You feel good about our chances going into the playoffs? I think so. I uh, I mean, it can't get much more thin on the pitching side as it is now, right? Like, um, so – if we can address the pitching situation, if we can address the third base situation, hell, hopefully Austin Riley or Camargo really picks up the the, the lumber there and just gets it going. Um, but I think with the easier back end of the schedule, I think we're in prime position to keep it going. I think it's our division to lose. I think we're in a great spot to win the division, which is a good thing. I think we're in a pretty decent spot to do what we've done in postseasons past, which is get into the postseason, face a team that is just better suited for the postseason and end up a one and done. I mean, you're not looking at a typical, you know, five or seven game series in the postseason in the first round. You get a a, a three game sprint, right? Best out of three. And guys, I mean, if we if we don't address our rotation, how do we go into a best of three series with Max Freed and then Josh Tomlin <laughs> as your two guy? I mean, right. I, you know, I don't know. Something's going to have to give over the next seven days for us to have a shot right. in the postseason. So uh, I'm not concerned about us making the postseason any longer, but I'm kind of concerned it's a waste of our time. And yeah. that's kind of the reason why I'm not really – concerned about trading for players at this point because i don't know that there's enough players we could trade for that are going to make up the gap between us and the dodgers or us and you know a hot padres team so right and i think i read the other day that the braves still have you know plenty of wiggle room in the payroll i think it was somewhere around the neighborhood of 40 million or something like that 30 to 40 million um you know and i'm like you i i I, I wrestle with this thought and we, we talked about it last week about, you know, what we're willing to give up, you know, the young arms and, you know, so many great prospects that I feel could be a future, you know, option for the Braves. Um, you know, what would we be, be willing to give up, but maybe we just open the checkbook and sign a couple guys to some one year deals. Um, you know, candidates out there um, for sure, but uh, maybe cash considerations is going to be our biggest chess piece this year at the trade deadline so hopefully that um but uh any more thoughts around that guys no it's just it's a weird season again i I hate harping on that the entire time but i i I think this is the optimist of me speaking that that if we make the playoffs, maybe we can make a run here um you never know how it's going to go the dodgers are definitely the team to beat but Still, um, I'm hopeful for the playoffs. I don't know that we'd make the same mistakes that we did right. last year. Any, even with a thinner rotation. Well, we're not going to start game one with Soroka. I can promise you that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, would in your opinion, would getting past the NLDS and kind of putting that behind us and, you know, actually seeing the Dodgers in the NLCS, would that be, you know, a step forward in your guys' opinion? Oh, yeah. Oh. Very much so. I, we haven't won a series since what oh one, um, so just getting over that hump, it, it would be uh, it would yeah, be huge. given all the injuries to me. That's that's a win in my book. But again, you know, it's a long season, and who's to say some of the Dodgers guys, you know, don't take a hit or slow down. Um, you know, I don't anticipate Mookie slowing down by any means. Um, but uh, 
it's a tough, uh, tough Dodgers offense, but uh, I like our chances because when the planets are aligned, anything can happen. That's right, Corey Lester. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode of Hitting Dingers. We really appreciate you listening and want to make sure that you're subscribed and you've rated and you have shared the podcast. We really appreciate the support. We love to have the interaction and really appreciate everybody giving their questions on Twitter. For those that we did not get to, please hit us up again and we will make sure to check them out next week. But folks, in case you're new to us and you're in the greater Chattanooga, Tennessee area, we want to invite you to join our Chattanooga Braves fan group. We do have plans to get our watch parties back up and going, and that's something you do not want to miss at our hub at Parkway Poorhouse. Check them out at parkwaypoorhouse.com. Find their menu, schedule your visit, and I'm telling you, you'll have a fantastic time. Really appreciate those guys there. But folks, thank you again. We hope you're doing fantastic wherever you are in the world. We hope you have a great rest of your week. And as always, go Braves.